Good morning, Bob. How are you today? You ready to get your hair cut? Actually, there was a client in a barbershop that I worked at in North Carolina, and his name was Bob. I think he was the only Bob I had, and I don't remember his last name. Um, hey, this is Lynn Johnson, and I am definitely letting these shares talk today. So I'm going to talk about this um, client that came into the barbershop I worked in North Carolina. I don't want to talk about my years from 1985 to like 1988 in Florida yet. Um, I started a little bit about it in one episode, but I'm not ready to talk about it. There was a lot of tragedy in my life during that time period. And um, when I'm ready to share it with you guys, I'll share it with you guys. Some of you already know that tragedy that happened during those time period, but um, certainly my closest friend that I met during that time period knows about it. But I'm not ready to talk about those years in the salon down there and what happened with me. But I moved, um, I guess May or June of 88 to North Carolina. Um, there was a friend of mine in Panama City, Florida. I cannot remember her name. I can remember her husband's name, Tom. I cannot remember their last name. But what I remember about Tom and, oh gosh, I wish I could remember her name. We're going to call her Kelly. What I remember about Tom and Kelly is that Tom was in the military. He was in the Air Force. And he was trying to get his captains or lieutenants, and he had to write a, an, um, an essay on what a patriot was. And what stuck out so most about Tom to me was that his great-grandfather, I want to say, or his grandfather was in World War II. And Tom's grandfather wasn't old enough to go in the military, to go into World War II, to go into the military. So he swapped birth certificates with another guy who did not want to go in the military. And I guess that was prevalent in the 40s when the war was going on and took this guy's identity. And from then on, this is who he was. So Tom doesn't know his biological family. He doesn't know anything past his grandfather at all. And that was a patriot to him because he was willing to give up his identity to go into the military to serve this country. So I think that's why I remember Tom so much and why I can't remember his wife, but they were friends of mine that were in the military. Well, Kelly's parents, I wanna say their names were Colette and Jerry, and Colette and Jerry owned uh, a couple barber shops in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they needed a manager. I was 21 years old. Like I said, I had some tragedies in my life during that time period. I was ready to move on and get out of the state. And I packed up everything I owned in a U-Haul and drove it with my car all the way to North Carolina at 21 years old, Charlotte, and I lived with Colette and Jerry. Now, Jerry was a barber. And in North Carolina, barbers and cosmetologists could not work in the same room. They had to be separate. So this barber shop, half the shop had a wall and a door that the barber shop was in, and the other half we did cosmetology. And it was, it was kind of weird, but again, I still, I had my cosmetology license. I still didn't go get my barber license, but I still knew how to barber. And Jerry taught me a lot about toupees because all his men wore toupees. And they would come in once a week. It was really kind of gross though. We'd take the toupee off, clean their scalp, have their other toupee waiting there, 
and it would be colored and dyed and trimmed and we'd trim their hair up and glue that toupee back on their head. A lot of these guys, it was like a marshmallow underneath. It was so white, their skin, it was so spongy, but it was great money and they loved it. And these men paid for it. I learned how to map a toupee, like to measure the bald spot, to be able to send it off to the company to get it. Many of these guys were just getting into hair replacement, so they were doing that hair replacement where it was little plugs and they were terrible at the time. The, the surgeons did their best in doing this hair replacement, but they just, it was, it looked like little plugs of grass and you had to perm it to make it look good. And sometimes it fell out, sometimes it didn't, but these guys would come in. Well, there was this one guy named Bob. He would just get his hair cut by another girl in the front and Marcy, um, we'll call that employee Marcy. And so Bob got his hair cut by Marcy, but he always talked to me and Bob was really short and, um, I'm not attracted. Sh I'm, I'm not short myself. I'm like five, eight, but, and of course I'm that punk rock girl. Um, so, I mean, I have still putting and blonde hair or cold black hair, and I'm still dressing all in black and I'm still attracting that type of clientele. Well, this guy he was pretty rich. I'm going to say he owned a siding company um, that, you know, first surfacing houses and window companies. So he had a lot of money and he was single. He wanted married ladies and he kept hitting on me. And I just, he was in his fifties and I'm 21. So I'm like, this is my dad. This is my dad. I cannot do this. And all the girls are like, oh, he's got so much money. He'll take care of you. And he wanted to, and, but I never cut his hair. The other girl, Marcy cut his hair. And so finally, Colette, Jerry's wife, convinced me to go out to dinner with him into one of these country club places in Charlotte. And I go, I didn't even have anything to wear. I didn't have a dress like that. I mean, I had ripped jeans. I had leggings and t-shirts. I didn't have like dress clothes at all. So I had to borrow one of Colette's dresses and wear it. So I got to dinner and like, stick my hair up in whatever style it was. I think it was really huge. Still a half-shaped head. Do my makeup and all that. I don't know how to dance other than punk rock, which is body slamming each other. I mean, there's no dancing in punk rock. And, I mean, I had formal dance training when I was younger. So, I mean, I kind of knew, but not like swing or jitterbug or anything like that. I didn't know what I was doing. And that's where he took me. And so here I am with this man who's shorter than me and older than me. And I just like, I can't, he brought me roses. He brought me this gold bracelet that day, took me out to dinner, wine and dine me. And, and he looks at me at the end of the night and is like, I know you don't want a sugar daddy. And I'm like, no, I don't. He goes, but I'll get you a, an apartment. I'll get you a car. I'll take you shopping. So no, I, I can't. You're my dad. I can't sleep with you. And, um, he tried a couple more times and I went with him. I mean, free meal, whatever at that age. So Finally, I said, you know, I can't do this. Well, my favorite car in the whole wide world is a Corvette. And he pulls up to this shop in this beautiful 70s white Corvette with the teardrop windows in the top and the T-tops. I mean, it is just to die for. And walks into the barbershop and looks at me, has the title in his hands and says, it is yours if you will just date me. 
I don't want you to live with me. I don't. And everybody's jaw just stopped and dropped in the barbershop. There was like five or six of us. And they're all looking at me and my clients looking at me. And I'm just like, no, I can't. I said, I'm sorry. I just can't do it. And I mean, title to this car, I, I just floored me. I took everything to turn it down, but I just couldn't do it morally. I couldn't do it, but he was my dad. How do you sleep with your dad? I don't know. Some women do, but I couldn't sleep with my dad. That was one crazy story up there, but he, he still came in and got his hair cut by Marcy and still talked to me, but every now and then he'd choke, you know, to go out with me, but I just, I just couldn't do it. Uh, it's just one of those things that happened then. I liked living in Charlotte. I only lived there a few years. I met my second husband there um, while living in Charlotte, and he's a chemical engineer, so we moved away to Virginia. I'm working up there, <clears throat> but I I learned a lot in that barbershop, a lot about myself morally and ethically, obviously, but I learned a lot of more about barbering at that time. I learned a lot, like I said, about how to do toupees and wigs. And I really realized I enjoyed it a whole lot more than just doing hair. And that stepped my forte into working with people with hair loss and doing that type of hair with people and men, especially because men, um, I guess I have that extra ego more than women, I don't know. And they were a lot of fun to work with. Um, I enjoyed fixing the toupees because you would have to sometimes fix the hair. It would be falling out, so you would have to re-tool um, it back in with a, a very small tool that looks like a latch hook. If you don't know what a latch hook is, Google it. I may find some pictures of it but you would pull the hair through and around a loop and then loop it back through and tie a knot on it. And it was very tedious to fix them, but it, it was, it was enjoyable to me. And it was pretty neat to watch the transformation of these men to, uh, even though their scalps were kind of, like I said, gross at the time, but the latex glue that we used, the tape that we used, it was, you know, all different. It wasn't uh, as advanced as it is today. And so we had to like really clean off that glue. And usually I used alcohol or some kind of oil to get it off and then scrub their scalp and color their hair. And then, like I said, dry it real good and tape their toupee back on. And I, I wish I had pictures of my work from back then because I felt like I did really good color matching the toupee to their hair. Some of the guys liked a little bit of silver in their sideburns and we fake that bleach that like i said before we take a toner and add some black into it make it gray so they could have a silver sideburn along with their dark toupee i'm sure it, i'm thinking that my work was far greater than what it was back then um but i, I like i said i still wish i had pictures of it i enjoyed that little barber shop it was so manly we had an air compressor in there so after we would cut their hair we would take the air compressor and pull it down, retractable from the ceiling, the hose, and blow off all the hair off their clothes and off their neck. And we had a large hand massager that would do their neck and shoulders afterwards and hot towels. I didn't shave there. We didn't have the facility to shave there. Um, but we just catered to men specifically. It was $7, $7 dry haircuts. 
in the $15 um, wet haircut. And then the toupees were actually quite a bit more expensive, you know, $50 to $100, depending on what they got done um, with the toupee and the color and everything. Um, I did a ton of perms. Gosh, we would do air perms then. And an air perm, um, you would put the perm solution on their hair, you know, wrap them in rods and put the perm solution on their hair, rinse it out and towel dry it and send them home with the perm rods in their hair and let it air neutralize. And the hair would naturally reharden as it dried into the shape of the perm. And it was gentler than using the neutralizer on the hair because it was so harsh. And then they'd come back in the next day, take the perm rods out, style their hair, and they'd go on. And I love those braid perms. We'd braid the hair and put a perm on in the end and a bunch of small braids and then put perm solution on them. And then it would get, get this wavy texture, you know, depending on how many braids you had. So it wasn't this curl. It was just this wave, a beachy wave look, um, as they call it now. But back then it was just a braid perm. Is that um, we would, oh gosh, we would highlight and perm at the same time. Um, I don't know how we didn't explode ourselves during the 80s with the chemicals and the stuff that we did. I, you put a perm rod in, a foil in, a perm rod in, a foil in, a perm rod in, a foil in, and then put the perm solution on, let the process, and rinse it all out. And So that way, because the perm would just damage the blonde hair, but they still wanted curl, because it was the 80s, big hair contest, and all the bars, the bigger the hair you want. And... So we would do that, but the blonde, you know, the bleaching was so harsh, it wasn't gentle at all. The perm would just melt that hair. So in order to stop that, we alternated and, and smoked, too, on top of it in the building while we were doing all this. I, I honestly don't know how we didn't explode ourselves. I really don't. It was so much fun. I managed... And I guess that's where I got my bitch reputation. I, I was 21 years old. A lot of these girls were older than me that weren't there. Uh, and I was managing. And, you know, bottom line, management is numbers. You got to make money. And they, we had a cleaning service. And a lot of these girls would take advantage of the cleaning service. So they would leave their perm rods in the sink. They wouldn't sweep around their station. They weren't clean. And I... You know, part of our jobs is cleaning. It's sanitation. You, you, there's so many scalp disorders and diseases and bacteria and viruses that you can spread. It's crazy. And at that time, we also had the AIDS pandemic. So we had to be extra careful during that time. And they had these extra rules on us, especially with the barbering. Um, with AIDS, they did not want us to use straight razors. They, once they learned that it was bloodborne and a fluid, pathogen that you know someone had AIDS and you cut them and you had a cut you could get it that way so they really didn't want us to shave anymore but the barber boards across the nation fought that and kept us able to use a straight razor um, I actually used to know how to sharpen a straight razor and use a strobe and get the little edges off of it so I could shave a face but we I was strict about cleaning I you know even though I was alternative I you have to be clean it's just part of our job now drop a cum on the floor please don't use it again on another client stick it in the barberside clean it use the brush delight it's a cleaner that gets rid of all the hair um, make sure we use our sanitizing spray citricide is another one clipper side is another one for our clippers 
but just to keep it clean. So if they left a mess, if they left shampoo bowl full of perm rods or they left hair sitting on the floor, I'd sweep it up and throw it in their station. So the next day they had to clean their station and oh my God, they'd be so mad at me. But I just, you need to clean. And if you're not gonna clean, then I'm going to make you clean. And they straightened up, but I was so young, I was 21, I had to almost be cocky and mean about it because I had to prove myself to these 30 and 40 year old women that had gotten lackadaisy. So I guess that's where it started my bitchiness with management and, and that's when I started managing was at 21 years old and I was very lucky because of Colette and Jerry that um, I was able to manage and they trust me too and they let me live with them until I could get my own apartment. One of the girls I worked with at that time her name was Pam uh, um, and we became roommates and actually that's how I met my ex-husband was Pam was dating this guy who was friends with my ex-husband and then we started dating um, that's how I got my lovely lacy dog was with Pam and Bueller two little dogs also during that time period but I only lived in Charlotte from the middle of 88 till the end of 1990 somewhere in there it wasn't very long just a short two-year stint but it was a lot of fun because of the bakers Tammy Faye Baker and their whole scandal in that area and um, the raceway they put in the Carolina raceway up there for the NASCAR which you know I love cars so I was thrilled about that they actually built the stadium for the Carolina Panthers during that time I was living there um, the Hornets uh, which are now in New Orleans and now called the Pelicans I believe but that basketball team my ex-husband and I actually had tickets to go see the Hornets I am NOT a sports person but it was neat to go see those beginning games and of the teams and stuff um, I really did enjoy my time up there in, in, in North Carolina. I, I learned a lot in those two years. I actually was, um, worked briefly for Redken for a hot second and a distributor up there teaching color and working with their color line. And I really enjoyed color and coloring toupees and stuff I think is how I ended up into that and I enjoyed teaching um, that was kind of my foray in management and teaching so I stepped into that realm of it it was a very short time period with them because like I said I moved to Virginia after that with my ex because of his job as a chemical engineer but I those short two period two year time periods of my life I, I crammed in as much learning as I could and as much education as I could I am going to end this one here I hope you enjoyed my story about Bob and uh, my Corvette and until next time have a great hair day <laughs>